I've put off my um my whitewashing. Oh, oh, good for you as well. So your whitewashing. It's funny. I want to talk a bit about that in a minute. Good. I should start that. We're going to actually try and have some discipline. We're going to do a half an hour. I like that. I like the idea of a good tight half an hour. Yeah, because what we need are 45-minute episodes. Yeah. So if having a timer for half an hour... Means we'll probably go about should, 45 minutes. Yes. That's good. But, but so... Uh, I think I just Donkey Kong the mic a little bit by kicking the thing That's under right. the table. We're in James's kitchen. No, we're not. Where are we? We're in James's living room. No, we're not. Which part of the house? Which part of the open plan room is this? We're, we're, so, it is open plan, isn't it? It's just a dining area. Okay. But it's also uh, like almost like a study as well, isn't it? You've got the table. I like it. I like the books. And you've got the books and stuff. Got the new Bill Bryson to read. There's a, uh, you've got the first in the Andy Weir series, Andy Weir the Martian, which is a series of books about a a Martian called Andy Weir. I don't know who wrote them. No. Uh, but, uh, the following, each one has, is called Andy Weir something. Yes. So Andy Weir the Visitor is when he first comes to Earth. It's like pulpy, isn't it? I remember it's from the 1950s. Well, no, the first one was Andy Weir the Rocketeer. Oh yeah, yeah, which was had a nice sort of alliterative feel to it. Yeah, um, rhyming feel. Rhyming to it, feel. So to it. not alliterative. But, uh, you yeah. used a bigger, you used a bigger word than was needed. That yeah, was I cool. did. Yeah, and it was wrong as well. Nothing makes you look as stupid as using a big word incorrectly. I find. Yeah, but you you checked afterwards. You said, "I know yeah. what I'm in there." True. You did that. And yeah. there's nothing, uh, nothing makes you look better than not yeah. really even knowing the words that you want to say in a sentence, so you just murmur them. Morty and Rick and Morty. It, it's, it's Dan Harmon, isn't it? I mean, that, I know, I know he's kind of based on Doc Brown. I but you he, listen to the way he speaks. It's like, I constantly have to remind myself it's not him. I have thought that a lot, and, and I think there have been times maybe on Harmontown mm. <clears throat> where they've talked about how uh, how characteristic he is mm. of... Um, wait a minute, which one's which? You're talking about Morty. No, Rick, sorry. Rick, Rick. Yeah, I get them Morty, mixed up all sorry. the time, which is ridiculous. I'm really bad yeah. at names. So, uh, you, because they don't always stand mm. like Rick first, Morty left, yeah. the way Ant and Deck do. Exactly, which, which makes the, it easier. You know, the um, I think the main factor of their success has been that they've got that mm-hmm. steam down. Discipline. Yeah, yeah. left-right discipline. It's they good. won another reward this week. Well, and well-deserved as well. They are the nation's most beloved entertainers. And it's it's good as well that mm. uh, Philip Schofield and Holly Willoughby, yeah. Willoughby uh, are finally at a point in their career where they feel really, really comfortable mm. uh, doing a show completely plastered, yeah. which is a thing that happened this week. That's funny because... Because that's... <laughs> If I turn up to my job like that, I don't have any job after that. It's, no, but yeah. that is where we started on the whole yeah. performing thing. <clears throat> I guess. I, I was quite drunk a lot of the time. I, f- I felt like it was a thing I grew out of, but apparently not. I was never drunk. No. No. I haven't I haven't taken a drink since April. I don't know if I've noticed that. Teetotal since April. Ooh. I could not say the same. You stick your dry January where the sun doesn't shine. You've got commitment. I have, and I just don't care for it any longer. So... But yeah, Rick. No, mm-hmm. Morty. Rick. Rick. Grandpa Rick. He is very. Yeah, I thought that, and then mm. I think uh, I think on Harmontown there've been a couple of times mm. where they've t- where the other guy who does it with him. Yeah. 
Justin Roiland, I think, uh-huh. has talked. And I think they think that a lot of his characteristics come from Justin Roiland, oh, which okay. is weird because he talks exactly. You're right. He has the same mm-hmm. sort of. He's oh, got do you think, lots of similar opinions and stuff as well? Do you think Dan Harmon has based his own persona on Justin Roiland? Is that the maybe that's what's going yeah. on? There. Maybe the, none of them realise that's what's happening. Yeah, it does happen. Uh, let's see. Like you know, when I first heard Bill Hicks, I used to walk around talking in a slow and slow draw kind of um, berating everything. I kind of do that, but not so yeah. slow. But I, I think because I saw Dennis Leary first. I think a lot That's of people funny, saw Dennis Leary first, which is funny considering like his act almost entirely came after Bill Hicks's and was dreadful. Mm. I um I don't remember who I saw first at this point. Probably Sam. Was it Sam Kinson? Sam, you know the really angry one. Wow. That's a real deep dive. Yeah, I remember. I, I remember only hear about him because other people talk about him. 1980s deep cuts. Yeah. I remember him like being, I think he was one of the first like really angry comedians I remember, like full of bile and vitriol. And, but, Piss uh, and vinegar. But also sort of around the same time Stephen Wright, who was almost a diametric opposite. No, he wasn't really because diametric opposite would be really a really happy but Michael McIntyre. Is the polar opposite of Sam Kinson, isn't yeah. it? Uh, but Stephen Wright, which um, I used to quite enjoy. And I think the first time I saw him was on the telly. It had been on Channel 4, probably on a Just for Laughs. Yeah. And, and probably because I saw that Steve Wright was going to be on it. And I really liked Steve Wright in the afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I found, I think I heard him for the first time accidentally, but on one mm. of those Just for Laughs. Because I used yeah. to like video them and, yep. and watch them Me too. over and over. Mm. Um and yeah, I loved him. Mm. And it's so weird that it from for a lot of people, the first time they ever heard of him was from the Reservoir from Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, I guess because he's the DJ on that, mm-hmm. and the, he's all over the soundtrack as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but for me, that that felt very much like the end of his career because I didn't because I I I'd heard so much of his act before then, sure. and then he was in Reservoir Dogs. And then I didn't really, yeah. wasn't really aware of him after that. But that's probably because you stopped watching just for last because you were going out and doing things and like watching Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, but, but living a bit more of a, a life that didn't involve being a very lonely young teenager, video recording comedy programs, yeah. and watching them on his own. That's true. I was a very lonely twenty-something uh, though. All oh, right, no, I, I, had a, I had plenty going on, unfortunately. You know, <laughs> this um, is ostensibly it. supposed to be about. Uh, this show is ostensibly supposed to be about us being parents. Oh yeah. So I think like we're we're about seven minutes in. Mm. So uh, in a minute, yeah, we we should make an effort to talk about okay. our kids. Mm. But the thing I was I wanted to talk about first because we were talking about it just before is you did your first solo bit of podcasting. Yep. For this week's last week's we mm-hmm. have issues. That's right. Um, thirty minutes of fear. How, it, I didn't know there was a subtitle. I should yeah. have put that in there. How did you feel about it? How did you feel? I found it terrifying, but I enjoyed it. I'm quite pleased with, res- with the results. Yeah. You see, I was uh, the, the the solo shows. Mm. Um, I used to feel quite horrified by mm. them. 
But now it's, it's a relief not to be, mm. not to have to deal with any of the rest of you. Especially, I, t- I tell you what's really weird, you know, you sp- after you spent the last two years sort of battling mental health issues, yeah. and then you're sat alone in your bedroom talking to yourself, um, it's weird, it doesn't feel like behaviour you should be uh, engaging in. Yeah, I, th- I mean, that that whole element of, that's the, I have the same problem mm. with Skype podcasts as well, though. Me too. Because it does feel a bit weird, even though you talk to someone on the phone, mm. although I don't like doing that very much. Yeah. Talking into a mic when there's no one else around, it is it is weird. Very weird. But um, the solo podcasts, uh, I uh, the first couple I did, I think, the, the, the because I only ever really did them out of necessity, but I normally was okay with them because I knew they were a desperate measure, and quite yeah. often they'd be contributors mm-hmm. anyway. But the first time I did a scripted one, the first time I actually did a proper full script and stuck to that, on the one hand, it sounds completely different. Sure. But on the other, that was the first time that I'd really thought, while I was doing it, who the fuck do you think you are? Brilliant. (laughs) Yeah. Do you actually think you're a performer? Is that what you think you are? Oh, no, well, like the entire first, what was it, 10, 15 minutes of titting about on my own was weird. I've shown you my notes, so I didn't... You didn't have any, hardly. <laughs> no, I kind of freeballed most of it. I think it was. Uh, I I did a bit where uh, a conceit where I decided to fill some time with me pretending to do circus tricks. Did you really not know you were going to do that until you started recording? I, I, it was literally as I walked through the door of the bedroom. I thought, oh, I know what I'll do. I know so it'll you're be funny. so much more of a natural entertainer than I am. Um, not even. I know you don't think so. I'm not even. The fact that you did all of that without any sort of preparation really just amazes me. Because we've talked about this before. I I wrote the poem at the bus stop. So the poem was pre-prepared. I was always going to do the poem I wrote, which was kind of aimed at taking the mickey out of your I'm So Lonely episode. Well, I was going to say about that in a minute, but I might as well say now that uh, the the episode where... Maybe maybe I'm a better writer than (laughs) I am a performer, but I think... People re- reacted to that mm. way less as a performance piece yeah. than it was fully scripted. But people reacted to it way more mm. like I was actually having a breakdown. See, it's funny because I know you well enough to know that I could tell you uh, it was a scripted thing yeah. you were doing. I could hear it, you know, because I know you. I know I know the way you speak naturally. I know the way you speak on a podcast, oh. and I know the way you speak when you're. Well, I don't, but I as, as it was a a third type of Nick speaking. Yeah, I was able to make a. I guess. It was a very good episode. I liked it a lot. But one conversation, thank you, uh, one conversation I had in the last week uh, that I'm I'm sure I've talked about with you before is mm. that, like, where, I think the first time or maybe the second time mm. I did Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour. <laughs> um, I've, I've almost been on that. <laughs> is, um, it'll happen. It'll yeah. come. Yeah. Oh, poor Stacey. Oh, We're man. sorry, Stacey. It's oh, all on we, us. We gave her such a freaking headache on yeah. Tuesday night, didn't we? Um, oh, man. The, uh, but the, I think maybe the second time I did that, I, I actually had, I had notes, mm. but in my notes were, um, to remind myself of things I wanted to talk about, because my memory is really bad, yeah. but in my notes were, say hello, ask how they've been. Brilliant. Because because I do care about people, yeah. but just normal conversation stuff, it doesn't come naturally I to love me. That I really notes, struggle with it. I love that your notes are small talk. Yeah, I can't wait because I can't do it. I don't understand I, it. I can sit down and do big talk for two hours, oh, but yeah, small really talk, <laughs> small talk, forget about it. 
Yeah, but you know, who needs small talk? We can all see what the fucking weather's like, can't yeah, we? Yeah, no, that's that's true. But yeah. you, uh, but yeah, the uh, the the one where uh, you actually having, uh, I should probably feel bad about it. What the the privilege with which I wrote an episode mm. where I was having a freak out when yeah. your whole of last year <laughs> was you actually having a slow motion freak out. Yeah, yeah well, we uh, we have different sorts of freak out. Yeah, that's true. I still think... I mean, I had, for for reasons that we might get into in a later episode, but I can't go into for... Um, legal reasons. Legal reasons. Um, I actually had a couple of a couple of days over the, the weekend mm-hmm. where I, I always talk about my situational, the fact mm-hmm. that I get... To, when I'm depressed, it's normally situational. And I had that. And yeah, it was... It was definitely different from how I am the rest of the time. Mm-hmm. The colour just bled out of everything. Yeah, yeah. Normally, like normally, there's colour in everything, but it just makes yeah. me angry. Mm-hmm. But this was like the colour bled out of everything. Yeah. I was just like, well, I'm just biding my time now, aren't I? Yeah. Oh yeah. I knew. Oh. I knew it'd be over though. Is the oh, thing. Right. Yeah. Which because I know it's situational. Mm-hmm. I know what it's about. Sure. I know that if I get a bit of time to chill, maybe. Through three or four months, <laughs> then, I, then I'll feel better again. Hey, try a year. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you really work for me. Um, but uh, yeah, so so we should make some time to talk about our children. Good. We did we did go for that award based on us being a parenting pod. No lifestyle parenting. I, I can't remember. So we should do we five minutes. Vi- five minutes every few episodes. How Scarlet doing? Um, she's okay. We've had a. Uh, she had no. She, she's not okay. She's had tonsillitis and she's still oh, on no. antibiotics. She but she's well enough to have gone to indoor play today. All right. She which has made her for the last week and a half quite whingy and um, not at all herself. Although if you've heard we have issues on Thursday, she's pretty much there. Now she's she's quite good for getting brilliant. quite lively, yeah. But um, we've had a little bit of anxiety recently about like her closest friend at school and sort of like a uh, seems to be a falling out. They're not getting on very well, and um, I I don't look. I think of, as I've mentioned on the podcast before, I don't look back on my childhood with any real fondness whatsoever, up until maybe about the age of fifteen. So maybe a, before seven. And then after 15 are okay, but those middle years just bring me quite a lot of pain when I think back on them. So I worry about, you know, it is Scarlet, because I, I was an overly sensitive child without a shadow of that, looking back on it. So, and sort of worrying that sort of Scarlet can seem very oversensitive at times. She's having a little bit of trouble with one of her close friends, and I kind of, I do worry about her being an only child and being sort of socially isolated at, at school and stuff so that's caused a little bit of of anxiety for us at the moment for me rather Mm. than for Nicola who's very pragmatic about such matters which is very good but yeah it's it's weird it's one of those you know you start to worry about them and how they're interacting with others and it's all so far out of your control you know it's it's the preschool years everything gets to happen under your umbrella near enough yeah even nursery because they're so young they're only sort of playing they play alongside each other rather than with each other in those years yeah so you have that safety net whereas they're starting to form social groups they're starting to form friendships and you sort of like you know i want my daughter to have a nice comfortable ride through school to be popular and stuff like that and not to but 
but I also I think I have to keep reminding myself not to um, kind of transfer my anxiety onto her or sort of project my anxieties onto her as well. So it's a bit of a weird time at the moment. I've I can totally relate to that already, just because these these aren't concerns when you've got these aren't really concerns when you've got a two and a half year old mm-hmm. not really because yeah. as you said they're under your umbrella quite a lot of the time yeah the child minder group he goes to there's quite a variety of um ages yeah so really there aren't cle- there aren't like social clusters mm-hmm. there's only a couple of kids yeah. at any given time who are the same age as him and and um but I think I've talked about the the guy from Out- Outnumbered that I just know I'm going to be like the TV show Outnumbered uh-huh. because the father in that group has a teenage son, a young yeah. teenage son at the beginning of the thing, and every the, the at the point where the teenage son starts coming home and being really non-committal about what went on at big school. Uh-huh. I guess that's. It. I guess it starts when he starts going to big school. Oh, gee, uh, Scarlett's completely non-committal about what's going on yeah. in a given day already. Which, which I just think is normal. They've already moved yeah. on a lot of the time, but because he was because he had a bad time at school and because he was bullied, mm-hmm. his son, who really you can kind of tell is relatively well adjusted, yeah, yeah, um, is he's just fretting the whole time. He doesn't normally say it directly to the son. He just kind of probes yeah. it, like in Inside Out. He he pro- he asks lots of probing questions, mm-hmm. but then to the wife afterwards is like completely anxious. And I already know that I'm going to be like that because yeah. I worry. If Amy was, uh, she's got different anxieties than I have. So I think maybe we'll get, we'll do okay. But we both, I think, there's this weird thing that happened through I I felt excluded from lots of social groups when I was growing up. Yeah. Amy has a memory of it happening. So for me it's kind of this this buzz that that's what mm-hmm. life is like and yeah. it's horrible. Whereas with her she got it happened to her with just one she had a, a because she lived in in the same place for a while I think. Sure. So she had um one uh, or two friends like a really tight knit group. Yeah. Where it where she got excluded from that, and so she's worried about exclusion as well. It's stuck mm. with her, but for her, it's a horrible feeling yeah. as a kid. It feels like because it's weird. My memories of it because I used to get excluded all the time. Mm. I'd w- w- wheedle my way back in, and then usually be me. It would usually be my temper or my over oversensitivity mm. that would piss everyone else off. So you know, my fault. But just it feels like your world's ended. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's you're stuck in that bubble of school, and it's like well, you're measured by how well, well the, you get on as well, though. And, and you know, you you in, in in quotes lose your friends, and it's like, yeah. well, who the fuck am I going to talk to now? And it's not you just know? it's not just the other kids mm. that measure you based on yeah. how well you get on with other people. That's how all of the grown ups around you measure yeah. you as well. So it's sort of uh, alongside all of the other metrics they use. Because they measure you by loads of metrics at that age. That's basically what school's all about. Yeah. But um, so for Amy, the fact that she had this one situation means she's generally she socialises really well. She's yeah. really really good at it. But when things get awkward, mm-hmm. she she gets quite stressed out about Anxious, it. Yeah. Even if even if it's relatively lightweight awkward, any sort of conflict sure. in an established friendship makes her really uncomfortable. Is that why, she doesn't, me, I just don't is that why she doesn't like it when she thinks you and me have fallen out? 
Yes, that is why. It's when, never happened. When, uh, when uh, in the in the past for the listener. Mm. Hi, listener. We haven't really addressed Hi, you at all. Uh, this is two grown men. Uh, uh, you can listen to all of their previous episodes at the website. James and Nick, blah blah blah. James and Nick, yeah. Um, but in the past, when James and I have had to call them professional, just like there've been more heated discussions about the podcasting activity we have. Yeah, I think. Oh no, they, yeah, I, they've I, never I, even really been like arguments. There was one that was kind of bad, but it was only because I was like. I didn't realise I was having a nervous breakdown at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that was your fault. No, I, I think we're both comfortable. Well, the, the, the heat of the conversation was definitely my fault, yeah. <laughs> but, the, but the situations are like, the thing <laughs> The thing is, as I've got older and more tired, yeah. I've just come to accept that social groups and relationships yeah. are really fucking hard. Mm. And so I get anxious because it, uh, mm-hmm. about Noah and Max going through this stuff because it mm-hmm. feels horrible. But it, at, at least in my day-to-day life, mm-hmm. I've come to just not care that much about what people think of me most sure. of the time. Mm-hmm. Whereas for Amy, it's still a very personal thing because it only happened to her the once. She only really gets to feel like it, it's something that happened to her and about her part in it. Whereas yeah. I'm like, I've been in so many different varieties of this. Yeah. That it's like, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it's all, I mean, it, I, 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 I think the thing that makes you different, I think, I think the thing that makes Scarlett's experience different from your experience uh-huh. is that you're conscious of it and aware of yeah, it yeah, as a parent. Even if you and Nicola don't, both feel the same way sure. even, even if you don't necessarily agree on how to deal with it just the fact that you're aware of it like because okay the guy in Outnumbered he doesn't actually make his kid's life worse because mm. of it just him being aware of it means that if it does happen she's way more awkward than she's sorry way less awkward than I remember her being at that age and sort of a lot more gung-ho and you know I think back to sort of even sort of really relatively young and had social anxiety from quite young in my life, I think you know. I I am um, my at the moment. My big concern is I can't really remember my younger life that much, so I mm. can't really go into it. But um, the the thing that I worry about with Noah at the moment is that in some ways with physical stuff, because you see other children his age mm. and they're like climbing up really high and and they're like quite confident, yeah. and he is quite physically confident. Mm. But I do worry that we say that we have said careful mm-hmm. a bit too much. Do you know uh, what I mean? Because he doesn't I, go off hell for leather the way I, other kids his age do. I can't believe any parent doesn't worry they say careful too much. Every time I've said it to Scarlett, I'm like, right, I'm inhibiting her now, aren't yeah. I? I'm sort of putting boundaries in a way. Sort of, I don't know. I think I hope the fact that we're conscious of the fact that that causes boundaries means that you're quite liberal with how much you sort of try and put a a fence around them to stop them hurting themselves because ultimately you know it's hurting yourself as a kid is kind of how you learn not to be a complete fucking idiot when you're uh why did i edit my fucking then i don't know i don't know who you think's listening no well it's because it's because i'm in my home how much uh how much blood has come out of her body while she's been on your watch because max kind of it wasn't my fault but he fell on his face the other day from Mm. like not very high and had a really bad nosebleed and um, and I've just felt awful about it ever since. I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember. I don't think I've ever caused. I didn't I cause it, James. I don't think, um, in the way that you're describing, I've ever caused uh, a blood injury. 
<laughs> of my child through. I, I tell you, I, I think I came very close to inadvertently breaking her nose the other night. I, I barely moved my arm, but she sort of rushed forward behind me. I went to twist, and she just caught me on my elbow. On her nose, which was... There were tears, understandably. Did you ever notice with Scarlett that their little wrists make little clicky noises whenever you hold, like, I I am... Um, I won't hold her by her wrists. I get too paranoid about... Um, uh, leaving marks. No, I, I just... It's not good, is it, to to swing all about by their joints after a certain age? Well, see, I, I feel like even mm. when I'm just trying... Even when I'm holding Max up... Yeah to like walk and stuff like that I, I can feel that mm-hmm. their little tiny little bones sort of shifting and, and it, can I you really like, though I think I feel like I can hear it like Daredevil have does. you been taking a lot of PCP or something no no I did enough acid to yeah. like uh, in my early 20s to know have that. you got like a, a, a Mr. Robot morphine habit that you're I've got, a mis- I've got a Mr. Robot Complaining about Mr. Robot habit. You have. I quite like it. Yeah, a lot of people seem to. Yeah. I, like, so, I mean, enough people seem to. Not just you. Your opinion doesn't sway me that much. But um, a lot enough enough people seem to like it that mm. I'm I'm feeling a bit wonky uh, about it. Yeah, you're just being um, a hipster. It's I don't funny. know how I could possibly be in contrary about this though, because I seem to see it before nearly everyone else. In that yeah, so I've, I've only seen about three episodes. I, I like the sort of magic reality aspect to it. I like the unreliable narrator aspect to it. You're not quite. My reading of it is you're not really sure what you're seeing, whether it's reality, augmented reality, or complete fantasy. I Rami Malek's amazing as well. I find that interesting. The the actor who plays him is just really intense. I I realise and really sells it. I think in terms of the issues the character has. I realised after two episodes, I really didn't like it. Sure, kind kind of that there were Mm. things about it that I really didn't like, mainly. Uh, the but but I ended up watching all of it because I end up watching anything with Christian Slater in because I like his face. Yeah, but and was... also because Rami Malek is in part like all of his scenes, even when they were, even when what was yeah. going on in them was irritating. Um, I just couldn't stop watching him. It's just compelling. Yeah, but I I actually find the 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 show's at its weakest when Christian exposition turns up. Oh yeah, of course, because he's Christian. So he's never been a good actor. Mm. He's never been a good actor, and he's Christian, he's, and he's and he's playing Christian exposition, isn't he? So yeah. he's sort of he, can he carry the, the? Yeah, I don't know. But I, the, the I like that, the tension in that. I like the whole tension in the show. I think I think the thing about it is that even though even though a lot of people listening will laugh at this, I know this, but um, my where my politics are quite mm. are quite left leaning. Mm. But I also get really frustrated with that sort of that level of. Uh, there's a when you I think it was an issue I had with the first. Um, it was an issue I had with V Vendetta the first time I watched it. The film was that after, like when you reread the original comic, there's a very clear awareness through that that V V is a monster. Mm-hmm. That all of the ideology and politics around around that character is righteous is righteous and it's what Alan Moore believes yeah but it's kind of it's almost it's V's V himself isn't that much of an ideological crusader at the core they made him into a monster 
and he's and he's on mm. a revenge kick. That's why. Yeah, yeah. That's why at the end he says, mm. "I can't stick around. Someone else has to take this on because something's happened. Mm. Changes happened, um, and I can't be." Mm-hmm. There for the next stage of it. Do you know what I mean? I do. Which is which is kind of how I think. I always think that like that's the ideal. Like the whole Jermaine Greer thing when she started disappointing people. I'm like, mm-hmm. as it like when you're my version of mm. like I think the people who are really ideological should really want to become redundant. They should want. Mm-hmm. They should want people. What they should be campaigning for is for the next generation to string them up. Yeah. That's that's really because yeah, yeah. Y- y- because once you get to you know I, I don't know yeah. anyway so um but that Mr but Robot isn't you you I think we all do this though it's like it's the belief in a future that is a rising path well that's true yeah I do mm. that I do that well no I don't, I don't think anything changes and that's something... but I think that's what people who campaign for change yeah should really hopeful because that's something I've been battling with my in my head with for a little while is something I've been thinking about a lot is that whole phrase about uh, all the the whole idea of the future being a rising path I always really bought into it and now it's something I'm starting to question in my mind it's like well well it hasn't always been a rising path it has you know you, you go back thousands of years you know you had peaks in civilization and then we slip back into the shit peaks of civilization we slip back into the shit so it's like you know are we getting to i i i think it's it's the whole everyone desires to live in important times mm. i believe yeah. you know i i think that's what what creates like these um doomsday cults and so forth is this sort of belief that we we want to believe we're part of something important because it brings significance to our yeah. lives um but it does kind of feel like we're at an epoch yeah. at the moment, which is well, and it always does, I think. And yeah, it's and it's not it's not that I believe that I I I don't really believe anything changes very much. That generally, mm-hmm. it as far as we're concerned, mm. things are better overall, better yeah. than they were. 10 years ago sure. and, and maybe you're right that things will get way worse in 50 years or 100 mm-hmm. years or whatever or way better or way better yeah but um, but the things all that there's an element of resetting mm-hmm. to it yeah my the, the way I feel about it is that if you are shouting in the face of other people unless you're uh-huh. young because yeah. young people mm-hmm. they're allowed to be they're allowed people people need to think the way I want them mm-hmm. to no, but um like I understand, I understand why young people are super passionate mm-hmm. all the time, and I know people like um, like our friend David, mm-hmm. who kind of do walk the walk a lot of mm-hmm. the time of of the their really passionately held mm. ideological views, but at the same time are quite self aware. Be- uh, he's become way more self aware in the time mm-hmm. I've known him of the places where he's like he might compromise those slightly, and that's something that. I feel like after a certain point, if you are going to be fiercely, like, angry, angry enough that you are shouting in the uh-huh. face of other white people, <laughs> um, yeah. you need to, there needs to be an element of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? That, 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 you, you... that there's, I want people to be self-aware. I don't want things to be a rising mm. path. I want people to be more self-aware. You and um, oh no, I'd like to think of the future as a rising path. Mm. Um, you and other people have, have caused me pause for thought a little bit because once something hits one of my triggers, mm-hmm. I go and that's yeah. it. 
and it, and it's um, remembering that people, even those with opinions I find abhorrent, have gone through some th- form of thought process. Yeah to get there and and kind of remembering that and wanting to wheel back I think I said to someone the other day uh, who posted a clip um, they were interviewing the chairman of BAE Systems and the interviewer was trying to get him to say that he felt that Saudi Arabia's human rights record was unacceptable and the thing I said there or the thing I said to the person who posted it was, I think the problem is in Sharman actually. Yeah. The, uh, the, the, the thing I think we get wrong all the time is we start far too far down the road in terms of questioning. Yeah. Because our liberal biases make us think that certain people will have, um, thoughts about what we consider to be fundamental rights. Mm-hmm. So you kind of need to say to him, do you think the death and torture of another human being for what they believe is right or wrong. And you kind of need to start the conversation from there. And if he says yeah. no, then you probably need to have a conversation around how he, how he got to that without saying, do you think, because it's possible you're going to say, do you think Saudi Arabia are okay? And he's, he's like, well, yeah, because I've done my mental calculations as to how I feel about human rights abuses. I'm all right with it. So this conversation's never going to go so anywhere. Relevant. And you shaming me isn't going to work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, actually, it's, it's funny mm. that you say that because the exact thing I really wanted to talk, one of the things mm. I really wanted to talk about, mm-hmm. uh, uh, today relates to almost mm-hmm. exactly that, okay. which is, um, and I'll be quick because we are out of time. And really. I need a wee. And so, you need a wee. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, what the, the, we can talk about it in the next show. We can talk about it in the next show. We'll talk about it in the next show. Cliffhanger! It's like a... Th- there's like a thematic thing going on. That's yeah, brilliant. It's like a cliffhanger. Uh, between this show and the next one, uh, you might want to... Because I'm going to be talking about this in the next episode. This is what happens when you plan. Mm. Uh, there's an episode of Reply... A recent episode of Reply <laughs> Your all. definition of planning and mine are yeah. two completely different things. <laughs> there's, a, uh, there's an episode of Reply All that's all about uh, workplace diversity in Silicon Valley mm. that is that was really interesting. And there was an episode of um, Startup mm-hmm. from December which I happen to only listen to today, that's also about the diversity mm-hmm. in the workplace of Gimlet Media, which yeah. makes both of those shows. And uh, and it's really interesting. Cool. So uh, we're going to finish up so that James can go to the toilet. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, listener, we love you. Yes. James, I love you. I love you, Nick. Aww. Bye. Bye. Bye.